It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Sandberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on VCN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. It certainly has been a fun weekend in the NBA playoffs. First round action got underway on Saturday with the Jazz beating the Mavericks. And boy, a tough beat if you had Dallas plus the five and a half. They lose the game by six. 99-93, and, you know, they made it close to the end, and I talked about that game really all week, you know, because I thought that the spread moving to five, five and a half was just way too much movement for, yes, I know Luka Doncic was not going to play, but still, there was too much of an adjustment. Over eight points of movement for one player. Total disrespect for the rest of that team. Plus, home court is worth something in the NBA playoffs. And I felt that if there was one game where Dallas would be up and ready to play and perform without Luka, it was going to be game one. That's where the energy and and the adrenaline would take over and they wouldn't Feel like, hey, we are without our best player. 
they would feel like, hey, we are at home. This crowd is giving us energy. We are going to come out here and defend home court and win this game. Game two now is an interesting question. How do they adjust? They are, again, a five-and-a-half-point underdog. Do they fight with the same intensity that they showed in game one? Do they play better than they did in game one because they've now had more time to kind of prep and deal with the realization that they're not going to have Luka? Whereas before, and and you never know, maybe it was different. Maybe the players all knew that he wasn't going to play, but there was a little bit of uncertainty. Will he, won't he? Is he going to try and give it a go? Is he not going to try and give it a go? So I definitely think that there's, it's a very interesting case study to see what happens here in game two. Uh, Dave Tooley and I, our very own, talked about the zigzag theory that you know the, the Mavericks losing game one, losing at home. You're going to back them now in game two, come out here with the excitement and the energy and, and the passion and the fight, knowing that they can't afford to go down 0-2, especially when you have to go on the road to Utah. You go on the road to Utah down 0-2, the series is over. I don't care if Luka comes back and plays lights out. The series is over. But you give yourself a fighting chance here. I think, And I said the message from Jason Kidd all along should have been to earn a split here at home. Now, normally, that's the mentality on the road. The old cliche is that a playoff series doesn't begin until a team loses a home game. That's the old cliche. But for the Mavericks, just because of this unique situation that they're in with Luka not being available for the first couple of games, the mentality should be to treat it almost like a road game, road series, and say, we just got to get a split of these first two. Because then you go to Utah, and the mentality should be similar, just earn a split. If you come back to Dallas for game five, and you are even at two games apiece, you've got to feel great about your chances. Because then it becomes a three-game series, and two of those games are on your home floor. And by then, maybe Luka is back. And then you got game five, game six, game seven. Just take two of three. You got two home games with the best player on the court. That will certainly be something to take a look at and and figure out how this series plays out. Uh, Also on Saturday, the Timberwolves upsetting the Grizzlies. Man, I, I... At first, I wanted to bet on the Grizzlies. That was like my first read when handicapping this game. Just the way that Minnesota was uh, dealing with the excitement, if you will, and the energy of winning that game, uh, the play-in game against the Clippers. The celebration, the tears flowing. I wanted to fade them. But quite the opposite happened. And actually, I thought about it, and I actually bet the Timberwolves. I didn't bet them on the money line, but I took the points to the Timberwolves coming into the game because the more I handicapped the game, I felt like they have a real shot here to come out on fire. 
And that's what they did. 41 points in the first quarter is something that is usually reserved for the Grizzlies to do. And yeah, Memphis came back. But then it was just a little bit too much. Especially in the fourth quarter when Minnesota pulled away. Anthony Edwards, another stellar performance with 36 points. And now game two here on uh, Tuesday, I believe. Memphis is a seven-point favorite. Boy, do I, 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 right now, first initial gut instinct, Memphis is going to kill him. I'd love to bet Memphis in the first half. But like I talked about with Thule, I last year we noticed this. Last year, the books were adjusting because they knew that everyone was going to be betting on the team that lost that first game, especially the home teams, to come out strong and play with desperation in the first half. To me, the first to play here is Grizzlies' first half, Grizzlies' first quarter. They're not going to let what happened to them in game one happen to them in game two. Not on their home. And the crowd will be behind them, trying to will them to a victory, earn themselves a split. But this is certainly going to be a spot where it's all about the number. And let's be honest, the number might not even... uh, come into play. But the Grizzlies right now are seven-point favorites for the game. If they are, they should be four-point favorites for the first half. If it's more than that, that's the book's way of adjusting. And imagine they're like five-and-a-half-point favorites for the first half. (laughs) That's probably what it's going to be. I think that a lot of people are going to uh, jump in on them to bounce back here in game number two. Uh, You got the Warriors who uh, cruised past the Nuggets. And what was fun (laughs) about the Warriors is, and ESPN wrote an article about this, um, a new death lineup was played. The version, um, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins played just five minutes together in game one. But in those five minutes, they outscored the Nuggets by 14 points. Clay Thompson said, quote, It's a scary sight when we really get going. This is really only our first time really playing together. Jordan Poole said, quote, it's pretty lethal. It's going to be scary if this lineup clicks like this more often for an extended amount of time, more so than five minutes. (laughs) Because this Warriors team has not been 
100% healthy at all this season, really. And here in the playoffs, we are seeing what they are capable of when everyone is playing and contributing. 123-107 over the Nuggets in Game 1. Game 2, Monday night, Warriors laying 7. I know there's that whole zigzag theory about fading the team that won game one and, and backing the Nuggets to come out strong. Uh-uh. I think this is another Warriors cruise control game where they win this one by double digits. The most exciting series, though, is definitely going to be, and it has been so far, the Nets against the Celtics. It's been the closest game of the first round so far because uh, you had everybody else winning by at least six points. And here on, uh, that was on Saturday. On Sunday, you had, you know, everyone pretty much, everyone has won by six points except for the Celtics who win at the buzzer. 115-114 on an incredible spin move by Jason Tatum. How do they... Better, how do they get better? Because they almost lost to the Nets who got nothing from Kevin Durant. And that's a scary sight because when Kevin Durant's on, I don't think this game, if, if Kevin Durant was on, I don't even think this game would have been close. I think the Nets would have won by double digits. We'll talk to Lauren Campbell from Nessin about this series coming up next. I'm Scott Sadenberg. It's the look ahead here on Decent. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, 
and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Conquer the competition for cash with the Northman Clash on the Ice Challenge. Join two free-to-play pools and compete for your share of $10,000 in total cash prizes with your hockey predictions. Head to DraftKings.com slash TheNorthman now to join the action. The Northman in theaters April 22nd. Terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining us to continue... The NBA playoff conversation uh, might sprinkle a little NHL as well. We welcome in Lauren Campbell from Nesson. And Lauren, this uh, fun game at the Garden between the Nets and the Seas. Jason Tatum with the spinorama, the catch, and the layup at the buzzer. He was fouled also, but it didn't matter. Um, Kyrie Irving just losing track of him behind him. The intensity that both teams played with, the crowd chanting against Kyrie, I don't think we could have a, a postseason matchup where the emotions are as high as they are for this matchup between these two teams. Talk about how the Seas have really embraced this high emotional, intense atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, I think that really ever since the turn of the new year, right, 2022, the Celtics have really just turned it around, whether that's just completely buying into everything Ime Adoka has brought to this team, the defense just completely owning this team and just being the, the reason that they continue to win games and then stepping up in Rob Williams absence. Like this is everything that Celtics fans love, right? It's the next man up mentality and who better to do it against than Kyrie Irving and the Nets. So, I mean, Sunday's game was so much of what Celtics fans love. It was a complete dominant defense, defensive effort from the Celtics, even though Kyrie Irving had 39 points, game high 39 points, the defense was just 
too much for Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the Nets. And it was it helped take uh, have the Celtics take a one zero lead in the series. Do should they feel fortunate? And, and and what I mean by that is they won a game that I felt they had to win because Kevin Durant was terrible. He did not have a good game, and that is not going to happen for the majority of the games that he plays in. So the fact that they got away with the win in this game when Durant was bad, I just think about it from the other way, Lauren. If they would have lost this game with Durant playing like that, knowing that he's probably he's going to bounce back and be better, that would have been devastating. So I think they're extremely fortunate to get away with the victory here. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, I mean, he had, what, 23 points? That's still, you look at what Kevin Durant did, and for the Celtics still to come away with a win, but... You think of game two, which is a few days away from now because the NBA schedule is just so silly sometimes. Mm-hmm. That I mean, Kevin Durant is not going to play that way the entire series. He's going to come back with a vengeance. He's going to come back with, this is not my best performance. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to try to help the Nets tie this series, especially against the Celtics. They have this new rivalry now, especially with Kyrie there, mm-hmm. and they have this big dominant team where it's they're built to win championships. And if they lose to the Celtics in the series down the road, they're never going to hear the end of this. So Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving too, of course, but Kevin Durant, he is there to help the Nets win games. And he's going to come out in game two, and he's just going to be on a completely another level. We saw Marcus Smart is now a finalist for the Defensive Player of the Year Award. Uh, Pains me because I had a betting ticket on Jaron Jackson Jr., to be the defensive player of the year, and he wasn't even named the finalist, which is a crime. I mean, the guy just leads the league in blocks, but okay. Uh, but Marcus Smart really stepped up for this team, and you know, I can make the argument Robert Williams was really more important to their defense, just being the rim protector that he was. But just talk about how Marcus Smart's defense improved this year and how he stepped up to really be at, at an all-NBA level. Yeah, I mean, constantly, every single season, we hear about Marcus Smart's defense. It's always about him putting his body on the line for the game. It's always him going out there, doing the most for the team. And you saw that even more this season. You see him just kind of getting into the nitty-gritty every single game. And that that's what he does. And he's continuing to make plays for the Celtics. He's not getting really in the way. He's not drawing these fouls that maybe he would have drawn two or three years ago, even last year. He's just making sure that he keeps the Celtics in the game. And that's somebody you need on your team. He does draw a lot of flack from fans sometimes because it's like, why are you here? Hmm. You're just, you're just, sometimes you're an offensive liability, but his defense can't be replaced at the end of the day. That's somebody you want on your team. Like I said, he's putting himself on the line and you don't win games without him. Yeah, he has been absolutely tremendous. Uh, so now game two will take place, I believe, what is it, on uh, Wednesday. And yeah. the C's, I'm looking at an opener, about three-and-a-half-point favorites, which is down from where they were uh, as a four-point favorite here in game one. Uh, would you expect this, and really every game here, to be another close one that comes down to the final possession? I think so. Maybe not to the final possession, but in that final minute, I think it's going to be incredibly close. I think, I mean, Sunday's game is something that that's a, that's a hell of a way to start a playoff series. You're winning (laughs) at the buzzer. You're going back and forth. And the Celtics showed why they have the best defense in the NBA. They're just absolutely incredible on defense. And even without Rob Williams, I mean, you're, you're doing this without 
somebody who's helped your team the entire regular season. So I think the rest of the series and game two, I think that it's going to be a battle. Do I think it's going to come down to the last possession? God, I hope not because I need my <laughs> blood pressure to be normal for the rest of the series. But I do think that it, it, it's like I said, it's going to be a battle. Like the last few minutes are just going to be absolutely back and forth. And I, I mean, if it's going to come down to the last possession, oh God, God help betters. Cause that's, that's gotta be the blood pressure even worse than mine. Uh, the job that Ime Udoka has done this season, I think at the beginning of the year, there were a lot of people questioning the hire and questioning uh, his ability to coach this team. And you mentioned it earlier, but they really did flip a switch here at some point in January where from the end of the month on, they were the best team in the NBA. Uh, what, what was it about Udoka's style? Was it the system that maybe they just needed more time to buy into? Or was it maybe the players being less selfish and playing together as a team? Uh, what did he do or what changed about this team under Udoka? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that he came in here and he wanted to really and truly hold players accountable. And that's not saying Brad Stevens didn't do that, but I think they were able to kind of get away with it a little more under Brad Stevens because he was just so, so nice. He's a very nice human being. And Ime Adoka came in and he's like, I'm going to hold you guys accountable for everything. And he showed that right away when Marcus Smart missed a team flight. And he's like, all right, you're suspended. Like, mm -hmm. this is not how we're going to do things around here. So I think that when you buy into someone who truly wants to hold your players accountable, you hold them accountable, you get the most out of them. And if you're already getting really good production from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and you hold them even more accountable than they've been over the last few seasons, you're going to continue to get even better production from the both of them, which is kind of scary to think about sometimes. So when you hold a really good group of players accountable and you continue to want the best from all of them, you're going to get that. Maybe it took a little bit for them all to buy into that because it wasn't what they're used to. But once they realized it works and they are legitimate NBA final contenders, they're like, all right, this guy is the real deal. I know you do the hockey pod, so I want to selfishly get a hockey thought in here. Um, yes. What's the biggest thing for the Bruins in these last couple of regular season games? Is it trying to get the three seed or trying to avoid being the second wild card team so you avoid playing Florida in the first round? I think it's just staying healthy mm. and or even getting healthy. They have so many injuries right now and that that's okay. That, but they need to focus on getting healthy. You've been in the playoffs before without Poshnok completely healthy. You need him as healthy to as close to 100% healthy as possible. So I think that the next few games, they need to focus on not even fighting for seating and just getting into the playoffs as healthy as possible, because no matter who you play, Florida, Carolina, Tampa, whoever, it's going to be incredibly tough. It's going to be tougher if they don't have Poshnok, Lindholm, and Carlo and Grizzlick and all those guys and Allmark completely healthy. Will it be Allmark or Swayman in the playoffs? I think it's going to be Swayman. Okay. I think as, as good as he's been all season, he, he's gonna, he's, he's got that goal. All right. Well, we will be paying attention to it very, very closely. Uh, I'm a Ranger fan, so I'm paying attention to getting the number one Ooh. seed in the Metropolitan. Although, yes. that might mean a first-round series against the Boston Bruins. So, we'll have to make a friendly wager on that. Lauren, I appreciate Absolutely. the time and the conversation and hope to do it again real soon. Absolutely. Happy to be here. <laughs> Take care. There she is, Lauren Campbell. Check her out on Nesson. She does do the Bruins podcast for them as well, so you want to check that out. Uh, does a great job covering all. Boston Sports for Nesson.
I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll talk more about the NBA postseason. David Behrman from ESPN Chalk will join me as uh, we talk about the adjustments that are going to be made, especially in the betting market, from game ones to game twos, as game twos are set to begin here on Monday. So with the uh, game twos, there's going to be one, two, three game twos on Monday, and then obviously so on and so forth. So what are the adjustments, and how do we, the betters, adjust with the books? This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Prove your fighting spirit with the Playoffs Challenge, presented by Modelo. Play free fantasy hoops in the eight-part contest series and compete for your share of $4,000 per contest. Head to DraftKings.com slash Modelo now to get in on the action. Modelo, prove your fighting spirit. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VCND Sports Betting Network. Joining us now from ESPN Chalk is David Behrman. And David, let's uh, get right into this NBA playoffs. Opening round action has been absolutely fantastic beginning on Saturday. And the best game of the opening round so far is the best series, frankly. And that's the Nets and the Celtics comes down to the wire. A spin move by Jason Tatum at the buzzer. Celtics get the win. Nets get the cover, though. Uh, they did, and, and Scott, that's the type of game we've been waiting. We've been waiting all weekend for for that game, and and it lived up to its hype. It doesn't always live up to its hype. We saw it with the Duke North Carolina game that lived up to its hype, and I think the Celtics Nets series. You're probably going to get seven of these games, and Celtics jump out to an early lead. Nets go bananas in the fourth quarter, take a huge lead, and then the Celtics bounce back and win on the Tatum buzzer beater at the end. There, uh, you got everything you wanted there. Anybody who had popcorn sat there and watched mm-hmm. it. And you're right. The Nets did cover but the Celtics did win. So a little bit on both sides there. If you have the Celtics for the series, big to win game one. You don't want to lose game one at home, but if you were playing the points, you did get the Nets cover there. Hopefully you had both of them. Now, I've been saying this entire show that I actually feel the Celtics are very fortunate to come away with a win in this one, and it's not because they did anything to deserve to lose. I'm saying because Kevin Durant, I thought, played terribly. I mean, he didn't shoot well. He took bad shots. And the Celtics almost lost. If you would have lost this game with Durant playing as badly as he did, knowing that he's only going to get better, I don't know if the Celtics win this series. So I think they're very fortunate to come away with the win here in a game that they had to have just based on how poorly Durant played. You're absolutely right. If you just look at the first half, Durant was 2 out of 10. He was being (laughs) stuffed left and right. They had 11 turnovers in the first half, and yet the game was tied. You're like, well, the Nets couldn't have played any worse in the first half, and they were right there with the Celtics mm-hmm. before the Celtics got out to a good start in the third quarter. But, Scott, you hit it right on the head. The Celtics lose this game, which the, you're, you're one layup away from losing it. As bad as the Nets played, the series could have been over. So big win for Boston and, and, and the Celtics there, and we'll see if they can carry that momentum into game two. But out of all the eight series, this is going to be the one that I think is going to be the closest. Uh, I know it's two versus seven, but we all know the Nets are not your sure. true seven seed. They're a team that absolutely can win the NBA title with the star power they have. They just got to play better than that, or they're going to lose in the first round. You know, uh, I've been talking about how the books are going to adjust. What are the adjustments being made uh, from game ones to game twos? I think everyone 
kind of assumes that the public's going to be all over the Nets in game two, just based off the way that this one came down to the wire and and the Nets almost won. They were getting four points, which seems now to be a gift. They're getting probably three and a half to four, uh, maybe even three on the game that's coming up on Wednesday. Do you think that this line drops even further as the book's way of protecting themselves against everybody jumping in on the Nets? I do, because of the points we just made a minute ago, that the Nets played horrible, yet they were right there with the lead with a couple of seconds ago. I'm actually surprised to see it open in the three and a half to four range. I thought it would be a little bit closer to two, two and a half, where I think it eventually will end up because the public is going to be betting the Nets. They saw what happened in game one. And to be honest, I don't think that a lot of people believe in Boston to begin with. And, you know, you mm-hmm. saw what the series price opened at. Some books had Boston favored. Some books had the Nets favored. It flipped back and forth a couple of times. I actually don't think anybody really knows who's the better team in this series. So, yeah, you're going to go with the star power of the Nets over the unproven Celtics, even though that Celtics team is as good as any in the East and can absolutely win the win the East. They could also lose in the first round of the Nets. But to answer your question, I do think this will drop down a little bit before game two, which I believe is on Tuesday do you, or Wednesday. Do you buy into the zigzag theory of jumping of, of playing on a team that loses in the first game. Uh, maybe for me, it's more so the home team. Obviously, like I think the home team. Like I'm going to be on Memphis maybe in the first quarter of the first half. Uh, I like Dallas catching the points just because I think that the five and a half was too much in game one. I think it's too much in game two. But do you buy into that where the team? Maybe it's just the home team, but the team that loses game one is comes out and that's the team you want to back in game two. I think it's all situational. I do it more between game two and three when they switch locations than okay. I do between oh, one so and like, two. Also, let's say the road team is down 0-2. They're playing Absolutely. the first home game in game three. To me, that's an automatic play, especially in the first half. Yes. Although the books have caught up and they've started making you lay the first half price that you would for the entire game, yeah, which yeah. is crap, uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I understand why they do that. Um, I, I, there is a stat out there that I heard this morning that 64% of the teams that – the home team loses game one, they go out and cover in game two. Mm. So in that respect, the zigzag theory would tell you to take Dallas and to take Memphis. I agree more on the Memphis side than the Dallas side only because of uh, of Luka being probably not playing. It's going to be tough to win without him. But Memphis for sure, uh, I just thought they got out slow. Uh, it wasn't your typical Memphis running up and down the court against Minnesota, a very good Minnesota team that can score with the best of them. I just think that was a game where they just were not prepared for as good as as, as uh, Minnesota was going to bring it, and I do expect Memphis to bounce back in game two. And I'm going to be taking them early. I'm going to take them in the first quarter and the first half. And, and you know, my buddy Doug Kazarian, who you've obviously had on the show before, he loves that temp, that Memphis first quarter oh, yeah. team total over that has hit all season long. Yes. Uh, they had two points in the first four minutes the other day, and they still hit the over. Yeah, it's, in the first four. It's, it's great. I said it. I said it when talking about that game when uh, saying that Minnesota scored forty-one in the first quarter, and I'm like, that's a Memphis first quarter score. Like Correct. that's what they should have had in the first quarter because that's what they always seem to do <laughs> in the first quarter of these games. Uh, Raptors Sixers. I took Toronto in the series. Now I could probably buy back in on them at a better price. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I know that they're going to be missing some players here in game two. Anything about what you saw in game one change your opinion on the series at all? No, I like the Sixers going into the series. I know people are fading the Sixers because they've been the team that doesn't get it done time and time again. Trust the process. Don't trust the process. I don't think the Sixers are going to win the NBA title, but they have arguably the best player 
in the NBA right now on their team. And I think the Sixers is just too much to handle for this Toronto team. Good season by the Raptors, but I think I think the Sixers win this series and they win it fairly easily in five or six games. And game one didn't change my mind on that. Philly jumped out early. You know, they had an 18-point lead at the half. It was pretty much a blowout all game. I do expect game two to be closer, mm -hmm. but I do think Philly takes the 2-0 lead on the road, snags one in Toronto, and then wraps it up at home in five. And, you know, you could buy back in on Toronto, but I think this <laughs> is the one series that I would I would go the other way on this one. In fact, in the East as a whole, I think the, the, the you know, you see this often in the NBA, the top seeds tend to get rise cream of the crop. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I think you have the top four are better. And then you throw the nets in there, obviously not a true seven seed. I think those are the five teams that you will see either the four of those five will be moving on. And I don't think three of the series will be close. So I, I thought that Chicago was uh, going to get swept. I thought, you know, Milwaukee has not, Giannis has not lost to the Chicago Bulls since December of 2017. Okay. That's, that's a that is a real number, <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. So I felt that they were going to sweep them. That being said, got a little sweaty here in game one. Uh, did that maybe change your thoughts about how to play these games moving forward between the Bucks and the Bulls? I still think the Bucks win the series and fairly easily, but I am going to stop with the whole Bucks are going to sweep. Bucks are going to win okay. it easily. I still think that minus eight hundred, minus nine hundred price that we saw. The start of the series was lower than it should have been. I think it went off at about minus 1,200 today. Bucks still win the series, but you look at what Chicago did today. They put up a pretty good fight. They did cover. Um, like you said earlier, Bucks win, Bulls yeah. cover. Um, I do think it's a situation where they'll give them a problem, but I still think the Bucks win this in five, just like Philly wins versus Toronto in five. Yeah, the, uh, the old uh, you know, the gentleman's sweep if you will. Maybe they win the first three games, they let Chicago get one on their home floor, and then they yep. come back and they uh, they wrap things up on their home court. Uh, let's uh, get into the Warriors here. The new death lineup. How scary is it? I think they're going to win the West. I think they're going to win the entire thing. I'm a Miami Heat guy, so I hope that it's the Heat on that side, but I did purchase a Warriors future just before the playoffs started, I tend to pick a couple of teams as the playoffs are starting. I've had the heat since the all-star break, but I mean, this Warriors team, if Steph Curry is healthy and, and you mentioned a few minutes ago, how bad the Nets played and how bad Durant played and they almost snuck one out. Well, Steph Curry didn't exactly have a great game in his return from his injury and they went out there and, and blew him out of the water. So I think the Warriors win this easy. Uh, I would love to fast forward all the way to a Suns Warriors Western Conference Final and start that tomorrow. <laughs> we have a couple of weeks before we get there, uh, but I think that Warrior Sun Series, if we do get it, will be an outstanding series to win the West. Absolutely. David, do me a favor. I want to hang, uh, hang on with me for another segment. I want to touch on uh, some Major League Baseball, what your thoughts are for the early part of the season, and uh, maybe a little NFL draft conversation. The draft is here in Las Vegas. I just walked by the uh, Bellagio set uh, yesterday to check out, see what that looked like, and uh, it's, it's coming along. And uh, we all expect it to be an incredible show here uh, for the NFL draft. So get your thoughts on the top of the draft and uh, maybe your Dolphins as well. He is David Behrman from ESPN. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The NFL draft is right here in Las Vegas, and we'll have extensive coverage including mock drafts from Matt Humans, Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, will give his draft analysis. Our very own hosts, Mike Pritchard, former first-round pick, former quarterback Sean King, they'll give you their insight that you can bet on. 
Also, legendary sports broadcaster and the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brent Musburger, will give his draft best bets in our NFL Draft Betting Guide. Sign up today to get full access to VSIN through the NFL Draft for only $19 at vsin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network, joined by David Behrman from ESPN Chalk. And speaking of the NFL Draft, David, you know, I think it's so interesting how a lot of the books, especially here in Vegas, do not want to offer a lot of options to bet on the draft because, well, they get killed when it comes to the draft. Um, I think this year is, is very interesting, though, because I don't know if there is a clear-cut number one overall. Well, a couple of weeks ago or months ago, we're debating Evan Neal against Ike Aquonu. And then it's Aiden Hutchinson. All of a sudden now we're talking about Trayvon Walker. Have you settled in on your top overall guy? Like, what do you make of all this, you know, the, 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 the odds shifting each and every week? I mean, that's the nature of the NFL draft. We actually have a piece coming out the week of the draft from, from David Purdom about how the draft has become in terms of betting and how, yeah, you're absolutely right. Books don't want to post stuff because they get killed by the Sharps. It's all information. Uh, you, you you watch some of the mocks go out there, whether it's Mel and Todd or, mm-hmm. or it's someone from CBS or, or Yahoo sends out a mock, and all of a sudden the odds move around. You talk about the offensive tackle from NC State. He became the number one pick overnight, and all of a sudden his odds dropped from 20 to 1 to 8 to 1 or down to 4 to 1. I ultimately think it's going to be Hutchinson. I think, think the way the Jags have done their offseason, they got a couple of linemen. I don't think they need an offensive lineman, and I think if you're – not going to take an offensive lineman, then Aiden Hutchinson is the way to go. So that's who I would play as the number one pick. Uh, but but it changes every single day, and that's the nature of this. It's different than in past years where you've had either big-time quarterbacks ready to go one, two, three, or you've had teams trading up to get quarterbacks in mm-hmm. the top one or two like they did a few years ago with Wentz and Goff. You don't have that this year. With all due respect to Malik Wills, Willis and, and other quarterbacks, you don't have that Herbert, that Tua, that Burrow at the top of the draft. So it becomes what it is, a crapshoot throwing darts. I think it'll be Aiden Hutchinson, uh, but I could see it going one of a bunch of different ways, which is what makes the NFL draft as fascinating as it is. Do you think that we're going to see a trade for a team to come up to take a quarterback? I mean, you mentioned the guys, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett. There's no consensus, can't miss quarterback prospect in this draft. And so it's not like previous years where, you know, teams are all fighting for one guy or there's just a clear-cut person that somebody wants. But it's we all know it's supply and demand in the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, you need a quarterback. Do you see somebody coming up to make a move to take either Malik Willis or, or Kenny Pickett? I think there will be a trade, but I don't think it'll be to the top of the draft to go one or two. I think somebody may move up in the 6 to 10 range to do it. And you talk about supply and demand – the unfortunate part about this and why you're seeing what you are seeing at the top of this draft, not only do we not have the solid can't-miss quarterbacks like a Trevor Lawrence or a Joe Burrow, we also have the same teams are in the top five over and over again. So the Jets, they got their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville allegedly has their quarterback. Detroit traded for a quarterback. Houston probably needs one, but, you know, they they have what they have. So you really don't have a team at the top of the draft that's like, listen, we need a quarterback today, and this is a can't-miss prospect. So the combination of, of Malik Willis and Pickett being not can't-miss 
and teams that have drafted quarterbacks over and over again are just not there. So I don't think you'll see a top five quarterback go, but I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina decides what they want to decide. Maybe they do trade out of that yeah. and give it to somebody else. But right now, they're probably the first team that's going to take a quarterback at number so, six. So I am actually going to look for this bet if it's offered anywhere. And I am going to take a quarterback to go top five because the Giants are sitting here with picks five and seven. And I think there's a real opportunity for a team, maybe it's the Steelers, to leapfrog Carolina and to go to number five and take Malik Willis before Carolina gets a chance. Now, Carolina might just be in love with Kenny Pickett all along. We, we heard the stories about Matt Rule recruiting him to go play at Temple and all that stuff. So... That might be their pick. But I think there is a chance, because the Giants have five and seven, that they would be willing to trade one of those picks. And I could see that happening, because ultimately, every year, somebody does trade up for that. So the odds are in your favor, and you're mm. playing longer odds, because there isn't that can't-miss quarterback in the top five, nor is there a team in the top five who needs one outside of whatever game Houston's trying to play. So you could be right there. A team could jump up there. The one thing I would warn you about is this offseason has been different than any other offseason where the quarterback market was ballistic. Mm. And we had teams trading and moving left and right for quarterbacks in the offseason. But normally you see that in the draft. And then after the draft, you see some of that stuff go down. Yeah. So I think it was reversed this time. All these teams went out there and got quarterbacks, whether they traded for one or, or, or uh, got one in free agency. So that has caused the market. You talked about supply and demand. It's just not there right now. But I do see possibility with the Jets and the Giants both having two picks early on, mm -hmm. potentially trading one to a team that wants to jump up in there. Uh, your Dolphins uh, made some moves this offseason. Uh, you mm -hmm. got to be happy with what you have now at the wide receiver position. Uh, but I'll ask you the question that probably everyone's asking. Are we sure we know the guy who's throwing him the football? It's going to be Tua. He is their starter. He's the guy they're going to go with. Uh, if he gets off to a slow start, then, hey, it could it could be Teddy at the end, hometown Teddy there back in Miami, and <laughs> throw a plug out there. My mom was his teacher back in the day, so we nice. know Teddy and his family well. Um, but I'm a big Tua guy, and I think the Dolphins have done everything they could this offseason to get him the weapons that he has not had in the first year and a half he was the Miami Dolphins quarterback. So this is put up for shut-up time for Tua, and I do think they give him the legit chance They've also gotten rid of a couple of things that were holding Tua back, including their former head coach and Brian Flores. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens. If Tua can't get it done with having two good running backs, three good running backs there, and, and speed everywhere at wide receiver. You re-sign the tight end. You got a few offensive linemen. If you can't do it with Tyreek Hill, then yeah, you, you made the mistake there. But I'm just excited that with the first pick of the 2022 draft in the first round, the Miami Dolphins select Tyreek Hill. Yes. <laughs> um, with their second round pick, they, they select Tyreek Hill. Yeah. So um, this is the best draft the Dolphins have had in yeah. probably since they drafted Dan Marino. So I I'm going to be happy because usually draft night is miserable for me mm. uh, because they don't draft anybody I ever want. Or if they actually do draft something like Devontae Parker, he turns out to be a bust or possibly a bust, depending how you look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, but this will be a night where I, I literally kick back, put my hands back, and watch the draft unfold, knowing that our first-round pick and second-round pick is Tyreek Hill. Listen, I'm a Jets fan, so I'm just <laughs> waiting for the video to be shown on ESPN on draft night of the famous uh, 
you know, Anthony Beck draft and 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 lots of booing and uh, Jets fans at Radio City uh, not happy with the team's selection. So it's in Vegas this year. Not going to have to worry about fans actually being there to boo. But, uh, you know, they always do when the video is shown every year. Uh, Jets fans not happy with their draft pick. So I feel you there. Uh, real quick, while well, we have like a couple minutes left, David, I, I want to ask you your early thoughts on the Major League Baseball season. Anything really jump out to you here through the first 11 days of the season? Yeah, what, what jumps out to me, honestly, is it, it looks like last season. It, the, the, it looks like the playoffs are going to go through the NL West. That's where it went through last year, where two of the best teams in baseball, the Dodgers and the Giants, resided. That's where they are right now. They have the two best records in baseball. Um, you see the White Sox out front in the AL Central. You see the AL East being a complete mess, which people expected. Um, and the one surprise part would be maybe the Mets are out front in the yeah. NL East, but the Mets always win April. They always win April. So we'll see if that falls apart as it usually does May, June, and July. Uh, but ultimately, it, it, it starts out West. And I think with the Dodgers and the Giants being two of the top teams in baseball, they were last year and they are again. Uh, I think I'm a little surprised at how bad the Yankees have started this season, mm. not being able to score against Baltimore. But the long season they moved the fences back in Camden Yards. It's an under ballpark now. They've gone under in every game this year. It's it is 394 feet to left field with a 13 foot wall. That is something that I think is not being talked about enough when it comes to the Orioles. How that ballpark changed and it went from being one of the best over ballparks to possibly the best under ballpark now in the American League. David, I appreciate the time and the conversation. Looking forward to doing it again soon. Enjoy the rest of the NBA playoffs. Thanks for having me. Enjoy, and uh, good luck with your bets the rest of the way. Thanks. He's David Behrman from ESPN Chalk. Does a tremendous job uh, covering everything, including in involved in the sports betting world. Yeah, I'm telling you, the unders at Camden Yards are going to be something to watch with the, the balls that are going to left field are dying and being caught and no longer landing in the first three rows of fans' seats. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter, at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. It's The Look Ahead here on Visa. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. 
So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 